it is really, I think, important to take stock first of self and know you're a work in, in progress. I mean, you don't like something about yourself? Great. Change it. Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada. If you're into spiritual conversations that take you deeper into understanding who you really are, then please tune into this one. I get to speak to Laura Day. She's written multiple books and she has experience in going deeper with the human self. And the conversation we had focused deep on beliefs, on what is really holding you back, understanding that the human connection is the key to growth. Specifically, when it comes to intuition, where a lot of us, when we're entrepreneurs, business owners, or growing our own companies, we typically push that intuition or that gut feeling away. But she says, hey, look, there's something to it. You've got to pay more attention to it. You've got to learn to hear yourself a lot more. This, to me, was a very eye-opening conversation. I hope you feel the same way. Welcome back to another episode of Brilliant Thoughts, a success magazine podcast. I'm your host, Tristan, and I've got Laura Day with me. Laura, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Great. Thank you for making time to, to show up to the show. I appreciate that. Well, you've got you've got a, quite a few books that you've authored. I like that, that I can take a pick and be like, should we dive into this one? Should we talk about this topic? I love that. You're you're multidimensional here. So thank you for taking time to do that for all of us. And it's been over the span of a few years that you've authored them. So congratulations on that. Yeah, a few years. My first, I think, came out in 1996. So it's been quite a few. And my, my seventh will come out in uh, spring of 2024. Oh, wait, what, what are you writing? Tell me before we get really into it. Most of my books are really about how to use intuition to yeah. uh, create success in your life. And there's this, um, you know, I started, I started publishing in the mid nineties and then there was a lot about out of the box thinking. And it used to make me laugh because you are the box. You can't think out of the box. What you need is that comet. And sometimes that comet that fractures that box is uh, is a trauma, is a change in your market. Uh, sometimes though, you can do it a little more peacefully using intuition. And intuition is the ability to have a goal and then to find those moments where you can take in new information, not information you've already been exposed to, but new information. So I've written six books on that topic. But of course, intuition and spirituality always get lumped together. And I don't think people even know what spirituality means anymore. You know, uh, if people say spirituality is energy, then is it spirituality that's turning on your light bulb? You know, that all of these names get kind of magicalized and then nobody knows what they mean. Um, so my next book really is about 
respecting the structure of being a human being, respecting the structure of life, and how do we change our energy in a tangible way so that we can change outcomes? And outcomes are the proof that what you're doing is working. You know, I always am very suspicious when people tell me to have faith, have faith in something that's not working. <laughs> I don't want to do that. You know, um, I mean, I think I think that we can have values. You know, we can believe in the goodness of man, whether or not it's demonstrated. That's a value. But faith is something very different. And I think it's so important uh, when we're working in life to work with proof and not faith, which doesn't mean we don't try new things. I mean, one of my very favorite quotes in the world is the good scientist suspends disbelief and runs the experiment anyway. And, you know, we know um, how, how blunt am I allowed to be on this podcast? Very. So we know that most of America over the age of 50 wouldn't have hard-ons without a drug that actually didn't work for what it was invented for, but has found mm. a major market, uh, Viagra, a major yep. market, and has become a very useful drug. So I, I think that it's so important to both be flexible, entertain, you know, entertain the 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 flukes, the differences, notice where they can be useful, use the obstacles, not because everything happens for a reason, another phrase I really hate, but because if you use the obstacles, if you use it all, ultimately you're successful. So that's what this book is about. Here is, here is how energy works. Uh, and energy is everything. Energy are your thoughts, your efforts, your intuition. Here's how energy works. And here's how structure works. Now, when we put that together, how do we continuously review and allow new information in, in a way that it helps our structure expand as opposed to challenging its functionality? Let's dive in there a little bit because I'm curious now. Like I have a lot of questions for you after this. How can we do a better job of using our own energy to allow opportunities to come into our lives or or just to allow things to happen and progress so that we can use them better? Well, first, you know, I wrote a book called The Circle, and of course, the publisher wanted it in esoteric language, so it's in much softer language than personally I would have done it, but the system is, is solid. And the first thing that you need, and, and you see companies that really lose this and people who are practitioners who lose this, is what is your goal? And does your goal have authenticity for you? Because if not, you're fighting yourself, which also means that if you are a company and not just an individual, you need to be able to frame that goal, express that goal in a way that other people can sign on. Um, that is the start. So what is your goal? Having a goal actually ignites intuition. So in the early 80s, when um, I, I was a subject of testing by a lot of universities and made myself available because the only difference between psychic and psychotic is that your information is right. So I really liked it. Um, I like. and I, well, I think it's very important, you know, people uh, and even business people, you know, even huge corporations 
people want to believe what they want to believe. True. And so if someone hands you a solution that has no challenges, it's probably not a solution that's going to work. It's probably a solution that you want to sign on to. So it's mm-hmm. it's so important. It really is. It's essential to to um, to again have proofs. And and of course, you know, proof isn't you do A and B happens. Sometimes you do A, you go to Z, you get hit over the head with M, and then B happens. You know, it's wouldn't it be nice if, or probably boring if it were all a a, a straight line. But it's it is um, I I really enjoyed being a subject because I saw oh this is an ability that I have and then they came to as researchers do yes only freaks have it what I did is I took their experiments and that's my first book and did them on everybody and realized no nah, I wasn't that special everybody has this ability and actually anyone who is successful employs it. And what is that ability? It, it is the reality. And again, there's a lot of science on this with very complicated names, unfortunately. The research on, on intuition, on telling the future, on telepathy, on remote viewing, all has these incredibly complicated names, which makes it very inaccessible uh, to the general public. But wow. everyone can do it. And there's so much research on it. And there's so much research on it because it had military uses in the 80s and 90s before we had the kind of surveillance equipment we have now. Um, so it, a lot of the research was funded, apparently, um, by the military. And, and so we have a lot of documentation on it. And we have actually a lot of verified process available on how do we how do we do this so in practical terms it means uh-huh. you're getting information all the time but you're not consciously aware of it because it's not what you're looking for you're looking for a very specific kind of data and a very specific kind of feedback which is why companies that train in intuition tend to have a huge edge because they have data that isn't accessible to everyone, but that is very specifically applicable to them. So the first thing is having the goal. And the second thing is to really allow yourself, once you have a goal, to notice what comes up as you function moment to moment. And I don't mean focus. You know, Everyone thinks of focus, but actually focus narrows your perspective having a target and then being open to what occurs and asking, how do I fold this into the bat or how do I use it? That's an intuitive process. And it gives you a wealth of information in a way that that isn't what you have normally done, which has or has not worked for you. And of course, we all know what works on Monday may not work on Tuesday. So it mm-hmm. is that ability to be to be flexible in our perceptions. And then obviously, if you're a company or even if you're an individual appealing to a market. So for example, you have this podcast and you are an individual, but you need to appeal to the interests and the authenticity of your market, which may, according to, for example, a world event that happens that people are super focused on, may have you change how what you offer, how you offer it, how you present yourself, um, and 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 at the same time finding that authentic 
uh, solid grounding, which is your target, which is your goal, uh, that allows you to function. So, so in order to, to do this initially, you need to have your goal and then you need to be open to a way to convey your goal to others and a way to allow information in. And I really suggest documenting things that come kind of come out of left field, allow the information in that will allow you to make your goal even more adaptable. You know, if your goal were attainable the way it's structured in the environment it's structured, you'd have it already. The reason it's a goal is that there's some moving pieces that need to be moved. Um, and, you know, all of my books are how to use this really, um, out, you know, new applicable data, uh, new for you, um, in, in your company, in your life, in your relationships, uh, for your health, for your body, um, how to use it and how to uh, apply it, and then also how to verify it. Because it's very important, again, what works on Monday may not work on Tuesday. So it's very important to have a methodology where after you have a goal, when you make changes, you have a feedback loop that allows you to notice, okay, this worked, this didn't work, let me be open to why it didn't work, let me make the adjustment. you know, and often our goals uh, are not what we think they are. I mean, you know, hard work is not antithetical to the experience of pleasure. And pleasure is such an important commodity, pleasure and purpose, which actually gives pleasure. There's a wonderful quote, I think it's Confucius, which is, but I but I may be wrong because I have a terrible ADD memory. Um which is uh, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And that is true. It doesn't mean that you won't expend effort and energy, um, but you will you will be doing something you love. I mean, I, I'm all, my husband, who's a screen and TV writer, and I both love our work. And we're always amazed that people go, we have a group of friends who go to on vacation every year for two weeks. And we are, why would we want a vacation from what we love to do? We work a seven day week and we enjoy it. It doesn't mean that we don't take an hour in the morning to sit in the sunshine and have our coffee and that we don't take time at night and that occasionally we go out for lunch, but it it does. And that we don't do our work in Italy or in London or in different places, but we love what we do. And you really want to, you know, intuition, the, 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 the resources to do something, the magnet for that is actually your, your desire, your purpose, your, your pleasure. And what often gets away in the way of that is your old beliefs, is your old structures and those hidden agendas. And hidden agendas are killers. You know, if you're going into that meeting and your hidden agenda is to be smart, but the meeting is about being useful, you have already hobbled yourself before you've even begun. So really noticing the themes and getting them met in another way. You know, I I think that even our neurotic needs, they're still needs. And it is important to investigate them without judgment, you know, but with some objectivity. 
and to get them met. So if you need to feel smart, feel smart somewhere else. But in the meeting, what is your goal and who do you need to be? That's really good, Laura. If you need to be smart, be uh, be somewhere else. I- well, be smart somewhere else, but in the meeting, be effective. Effectiveness is yeah. such an amazing joy giver and time saver. You know, yeah. I don't, I, I often, um, I answer all my own emails. And one, the difference between who I give five minutes to and who I give 20 seconds to is, can I be effective here? Because if not, I, I don't have the time. I want to acknowledge the effort the person made reaching out, but I don't want to spend my time on it. But if I can be effective, well, then that's a whole other, that's a whole other uh, endeavor that's satisfying. That gives me something. I agree with you, by the way. And it's, it's, it's really cool to listen into to the way you're defining it because uh, I agree with it. I just hadn't seen it that way. And I've also found that in in what you're saying, a lot of our preconceived notions of how things are supposed to be block our intuition, right? And not not just things how they're supposed to be, but you know, we all the wonderful thing about having experience and having knowledge and having a healthy, strong ego structure and boundaries is it makes Mm -hmm. us functional. It holds us together. It gives us an operating plan in the world. Without that, Mm -hmm. all of our effort would be going to reinventing things every second. On the other hand, it also keeps an old paradigm in place and our environment changes, whether you're an individual or a company or a product, your environment changes. And, And to be successful, you need to be able to change with it without falling apart. And there's always that there's always that balance there, you know. I mean, when Coca-Cola did that new bottle or that new name, it, it that brand was in at risk of falling apart, and it rebuilt a, its structure, and hopefully, you know, was enlarged from the experiment. But mm-hmm. um, but our structures um, are not just our belief; they're our intellect, experience, and they're wonderful. But what intuition does, and again, intuition is non-local perception. It's the ability to experience your market as you. So um, one of the things that I do when I go into a company is I, I have them pretend, and pretending is a way of doing something that's real that you didn't know you could do, to, to speak from their market and, and pretend their market is a person and have their market speak. You know. Um, I, I want something that looks really expensive, but that it, that I can afford and I'm willing actually to pay a premium for that. And I want, you know, so when that, when you're, you allow your market to speak in the eye, what you find is when you run a little bit of the experiment, you know, if intuition says jump off a bridge, don't do it. But if intuition says, soften the corners on your packaging and you'll get less returns, you might want to try a box that way. See what happens. So it, it, you don't throw out your intellect when you engage intuition, but you allow those kind of out of the blue, where did I get that from perceptions to come in? You know, people, um, people often uh, think of intuition along with spirituality and meditation. It's really not. Our best intuitives 
soldiers who come back alive, traitors who think they're making well-reasoned decisions in a millisecond, they're not. That's pure intuition. They have a goal, they have a target, but that's pure intuition. You know, companies that can turn on a dime, huge organizations who find that one catalytic point, that one thing that they can change to adapt to their market, to have all of their resources adapt. Those are our intuitives. ER physicians and nurses, those are our intuitives. Zen monks, swap fly, don't swap fly, needs zero intuition. Intuition is when you need something actionable and accurate and fast. It's a survival. Interesting. So very uh, entrepreneurish, right? Like they have to have a, a keen sense of intuition. How do we, how do we refine our intuition? How do we get better with it? Well, you know, like anything else, a lot of it is practice. Um, I've written six books on the topic and, and and just finished another. But to quickly start, what are your goals? And don't do a laundry list because one of the things that gets in the way of intuition is having too many goals and not making the effort to put them under one umbrella. The best intuitive goal is as if you were shooting an arrow to hit a bullseye, to really do the work of what is the core goal here. Um, Is your core goal to make money? Are you willing to burn out as a product in three years doing it? Or is your core goal to own the marketplace in your uh in 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 your field is that your core goal is your core goal to uh enjoy your work and and have it have it you know interface professionally in a way that's just pleasurable now it doesn't mean you don't care about the rest of them but you really need to be able to shoot an arrow at that bullseye. That's a target. And what people do is I want this and this can be this and that can be that. And what happens is that the information that comes in, you don't have a filing system for it. You know, we are as companies, as human beings, and as a planet, we are a filing system. And, and, you know, if something is filed in the wrong folder, it's not there when you need it. And life, especially now, moves so quickly that things need to be there. Information needs to be there. Resources need to be there. Contacts need to be there when you need it. So I would say pick a pick a, a your most uh, immediate, most descriptive goal, and then you know you will know its parts. You'll you'll feel its parts. So um, so my goal as as a human being is I want a healthy family. Um, mm-hmm. My work comes absolute far second. Everything comes far second to that. So I have my target, but then I have a target for my work. My tar- you know, I have a target for my finances. I have a target for my experience of day-to-day well-being. And then my job is how do I put that together under one umbrella? And that's not just an intellectual process. What you'll find is when you begin the effort to do that, again, as an individual and as a a company or a product, you'll find that questions arise, obstacles arise. And if if you allow yourself the awareness, and again, if you document to some degree the process, 
what will happen is you will make choices about it. And those choices will evaluate your direction. When I met my husband, we were each the breadwinner in our family and we were two alphas. And that was, we valued our relationship, but that was very hard to put together because he had to move to London and I needed to be in tour somewhere else. And we had to say, okay, what is what is most important here? You know, where where can each part of this give? How can we make this one unified target? And it took a lot of work and some battles and some screaming, but <laughs> you know, it evolved as information came in. And one of the interesting things that you'll find when you use intuition is that synchronicity or meaningful coincidences just appear. So for example, you really commit to being an actor. What happens? All of your jobs dry up. Uh, What do you need to do? You need to get a job at a cafe. Um, It feels like you're giving up, but you're dealing with reality and not dealing with reality is not intuitive. You know, it's a therapy issue. So you're working at a cafe and but your rea- your goal is to be a working actor. Well, the cafe is doing a commercial and they ask you to be in it. You do. That's a synchronicity. Or you meet people through this new job that help you more than your agent or manager was able to. That's a synchronicity. So what happens when you have a goal is you not only do you tend to bring in the resources for that goal, you also tend to be more aware of them. Um, It's my experience that in a way that is almost inexplicable, although everyone has their own explanation for it, when you commit to a goal, opportunities and obstacles, both of which are opportunities, hit you from the outside world hard and heavy to create that goal. And perseverance is extremely underrated. You know, when you persevere with a goal, and once again, not by narrowing your focus, because that is just, you know, fodder for disaster, but you commit to the goal and you find, oh, you're having trouble doing it this way. Perhaps you shift and do it a little another way, or you notice that someone comes in that has some ideas, maybe you hire them. So you 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 persevere in the goal without being rigid in how you achieve it. And again, that's what intuition is wonderful for. You keep walking into an obstacle, it may say, move left. Oh, wow. You didn't even see that there was a clear path over there. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. You know, I love, I really love um, when I started going into corporations, because my practice, I've worked for the same companies for 30 years, and I have one mobile client space that I've had for the last 30 years. So I get, you know, every couple of years, I get one new client as I change that mobile space. But basically, I've worked for the same, the, the exact same companies. And one of the things that I've really enjoyed is when they themselves as a company engage intuition, don't just use me as someone to predict and a resource, but engage it company-wide, how mm. they, they work together and work with their market in a very different way. How does 
So I have, I have a few questions, but on that one, how does a company work with intuition? I understand an individual. How does a company do a better job of doing that? Well, I mean, one of the things is that we, you know, we come from a culture where we hire an expert to like, I love that McDonald's would hire, you know, a multi-million dollar price tagged expert instead of asking their staff, what do your customers want? Not just Mm. what's selling, what are they asking for that we don't have? What is the problem in the process of buying? You know, um, we don't use our own, we don't use the wisdom that we do have because it's all about, I tell my students, the honey and the bear, you know, the, the magic bullet. We are the magic bullet as a company. We know. Now, of course, it is important to have perspective, but what's often, you know, I worked, uh, I worked with an engineering company a long time ago. And what was really interesting to me is that hardware knew more about what software should do than software did because <laughs> software was working in its own rigid paradigm and wasn't seeing again, you are the box outside their box. We don't see outside our box. But hardware could see, whoa, if software would just do this and software would see, whoa, if hardware would just take care of this snag or make itself more adaptable to more systems, um, you know, and and so I, I, I teach I teach companies, first of all, to uh, imp, to put in place methodologies where people can have a voice without yeah. sounding crazy because most things that are visionary sound crazy when you say them. And then two years later, you're a visionary. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, what I do for companies mostly is corporate spying and predicting the future. Um, but companies can do that for themselves and use the different parts of themselves to have perspective. And perspective is essential with intuition. You know, intuition is not a feeling. That's such a misnomer. People say, I have a gut feeling. If it's a gut feeling, you need a sandwich or more sleep. It's not intuition. (laughs) Intuition is when you have a clear perception that responds to a need or a question. That is intuition and does so effectively. Now, of course, the problem with intuition is that a lot of the best intuition is precognitive, tells you about the future. However, if you have a a, a methodology where you are documenting that, what you'll see is, A, some people in your company are very good at that. Some people Mm -hmm. are better at experiencing things in the moment. All of these things are useful. Some people are better remote viewers. You'll use your staff uh, differently. And the other thing is is teaching people to to know their metronome and when it's off. And mostly that's with with people who work moment to moment, like uh, like traders, um, where uh, something may happen in their lives. And you see this a lot with funds. Something happens uh, in their in in the core person's life. And two years later, the fund tanks. It's not immediate. So they don't see it. But actually, if you look statistically, there really is a correlation. So it is it is having a communication structure where the other people uh, do have a way of giving you observational and intuitive f- feedback, but also mm. knowing, knowing when you're off. I always say, you know, a lot of people take my boot camp to become day traders. 
And I say, you can do that. You know, intuition is wonderful for predicting the future trajectory of a company or of a market. However, if you do it when you're stressed about money, or if you do it when you want to quit your job and you don't think you know how to do anything else, your subconscious may not allow a lot of that information to be available. And, you know, more than 90% of, of your functioning is subconscious. It's not conscious. So you do have to work with recognizing patterns that don't work. Oh, man, I, I love this. Uh, I have a question going back a little bit. You mentioned paradigm. Uh, here's my question to you. How do you how do we revisit our paradigm so we don't fall behind? So we're always updating it. So there's a big thing in the media now. Everyone's working on trauma. You know, everyone's working on trauma, trauma, this trauma, that. And they're looking for their trauma and the origin of their trauma. You don't have to look for your trauma. It's what's not working now. That's where your trauma is. And if you resolve what's not working now, you resolve your trauma. And, and if you do it consistently, you learn how to teach those resolutions to others. So it is, it is really um, what it, in this moment, what isn't working is, is what needs help. And what is working is the helper. You know, I think that uh, Apple computers, for example, has a lot of areas they need to improve, but they use what works to keep their market share up. And that's what we do as human beings as well. So notice what's not working and notice the commonalities. What is not working in your business isn't working in your love life, isn't working in your the way you manage your health, we are not isolated creatures. You know, uh, we're, we are as individuals, a system. So it is very helpful. You know, we often say, oh, I, you know, I want to, um, I'm really unhappy in my job and we're ignoring that our relationship isn't working. And sometimes it's easier to work on the relationship or that our health, what, what we're doing for our bodies and health isn't working. It's, often easier to work on the place that has a little less juice, a little less pain, a little less subtext in it. And that's different for everybody. You know, for me, my interpersonal relationships are where all the subtext are. Um, and I know that's a very typically female position. For my husband, it's all his work. You know, so when he works on relationship, his work improves. When I work on work, my relationships improve. So, <laughs> all, you know, it's, it's, and, and, and it's because it's easier for me to troubleshoot, you know, to troubleshoot that, you know. So it, it's, and by the way, everything starts with self. I always think your experience and your body and your level of pleasure and your level of commitment to your own life is a very good map of what you're doing, again, in business and relationship, financially, et cetera, et cetera, in your family. Um, and, and working, you know, when I want to have a stronger presence in my work, you know, I have a book coming out in March. So I've been able to kind of coast the last 10 years. I've really just done my companies and taught and just had fun. Um, and 
I'm, I now want to be strong for this book. I wanted to have a strong presence. I love the book. I love the premise. I want to teach it. And in order to have a market to teach it to, the book needs to do well. Mm-hmm. I started working with a trainer and doing Pilates. I've got guns, you know? I mean, for a 64-year-old woman, I've got, the, I got guns. So I started, you know, I, I live by what I have found as a as a scientist at heart works. And what I have found is what I want, I need to have structure in. So if I want to let more people in my life, when I was looking for love, I did a lot of African dance. I did a lot of yoga. I did things that opened me up. I tried new food groups. Um, I, you know, I really focused on how can I be more open. I tried to have new conversations, things I say I hate. I I tried out. Maybe I don't hate them anymore. You know, maybe I like caviar now. Maybe I can sit through theater. Um, so, <laughs> so that's good. You know, if you if you start if you start with you, that's a really helpful place to start. Um, I have a friend who struggles uh, with their diet. And has has been really, really heavy. Now, is very expansive in terms of their work, but there's so many places that that things kind of fall off the radar and distress this person. I don't even want to give a gender. And the place this person needs to focus is their diet. I love how they say, oh, uh, yeah, my food wasn't good today. No, it wasn't your food. Your food's in the refrigerator. You weren't good today. <laughs> you know, we tend to give, I, I, and my students like to use terminology like, well, if the universe will provide, you are the universe, provide, you know, mm-hmm. find the resource. We are so good at giving, of giving that away. And people think that that's a, you know, a, a female trait, but it's a male one too. There, there's so much mythos in what we do and challenging that. I mean, we're interesting enough without having to create all of this mythology around, you know, luck and the universe and uh, mm. the ultimate program that's going to predict the market infallibly. And, you know, all of those are fun imaginations and a unicorn has a place at a five-year-old's birthday party, but not in our operating systems. So good. That was good. I like that one. Uh, that's that's very good, Laura. Um, I, I took a lot of... Notes Let's here. do it at the same time. There you go. There you go. Cheers. There's some quotes that that I wrote down from you right now. That I hope I will agree with them. Every once in a while, I'll read a quote of mine uh, and I'll think, I oh, I we're we're in we're in sync right now um everything starts with self i love that yes everything comes down to that um you mentioned what we want needs structure and and i'm i'm trying to and i agree um i'm reading into it because i wanted to continue with that i wrote what we want needs structure to grow can you expand on that or well, it needs structure to function you know um meditation, becoming one with the universe is wonderful, but you don't do much in that state. You don't even do much non-locally in that 
state. Um, you don't do much in that state. You do something in a state where your bones, your muscle, your brain, your movement, your efforts are moved through the structure of you, of your company, the structure of your ideas, because energy is, is amorphous. You need to, you know, I, I always say um, to my students who say, oh, yes, I want energy. I'm like, or good energy and bad energy, no such thing, useful energy. So if you turn on a, the electricity in a light socket, lick your finger and stick it in there, that's bad energy. If you stick a bulb in it that has a structure to metabolize that energy, that's good energy. It provides light in the darkness. We are the structure. Our companies are the structure. Our communities are the structure. Our uh, you know, when you're a builder, knowing the structure of the plot of land allows you to use the right structure of planning and architecture and equipment. Um, you know, if you can get water flowing downhill, it's more useful than if you have to pull it uphill. So everything has a structure. And when you begin, and that's really what my new book is about, when you begin to recognize the structures and use energy appropriately, use effort appropriately, use resources appropriately. And what is appropriately? Once again, it's not good or bad. Appropriately is to meet your goal. And so we go back to that goal. Okay. You just reminded me of a quote, and I want to know what you think of this. And I had to, I had to Google it because I didn't remember it. So this one's by Nikola Tesla. And this is what it says. If you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. What are your first thoughts on that? The new, uh, the real operating system of our world is physics. And, um, and physicists, I mean, I, when I read the Bible, I read Tesla, I read Einstein, I read physicists. Because although we've given fairy tale explanations to energy and, and how we direct it, which is vibration, I agree with Tesla. I mean, I am agree with Tesla. I am led by Tesla. I am led by Einstein. The, the, the functional paradigm by which I find my students function effectively is physics. And and is that idea that 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 time and space is only a stubbornly held illusion, which is Einstein? You know, when we think of frequency, when we think of vibration, what we're what we really to ground those concepts. Um, sitting here, I have energy. In order for that energy to make a meal. I need to change its frequency and vibration. I need to get up. I need to go to the refrigerator. I need to open. I need to take out the, and, and each of, when I create a, a cake, each part of that, um, each ingredient has a certain frequency and it needs to work together. And that's the human element, the human element and again, there's that double slit experiment. There's the uh, light being a particle and a wave. The, the, the element that creates is your structure of being a human being, which of course has to work in the larger structure of community, of world, 
of the laws of, of physics and reality. You know, magic starts, what we think of as magic, you know, or miracles, it starts with a really healthy grasp of reality. Because in reality, in what you actually are, in what your company actually is, are the real elements, the, the real parts that create that miracle, that success. I mean, mm. I know one of my favorite people is a young woman named Brooke Ellison, who at 11, and I met her right, I think probably the day after this happened, was hit by a car. And she is a quadriplegic on a respirator. She's written a book, Brooke Ellison. She graduated from Harvard. She has a PhD from Stony Brook and is a professor. And she is still a quadriplegic. She cannot breathe without a vent. But her her ability to marshal and engage resources, and this is not a fabulously wealthy family. You know, this these, these are you know, the stay-at-home mom and a city employee. Uh, what they have done because they have been able to use those human laws of physics, use the individual to marshal energy has been nothing short of incredible. And we we all have that opportunity. I think we get we get very sucked into marketing. We get very sucked into you have to be this to have that. I remember when I was I was single at 50. I I left a relationship and everyone said, oh you'll you'll never, you know, listen, there aren't that many men out there. They're all married. They're blah, blah, blah. They want 25-year-olds. I don't want a man who wants a 25-year-old. You know, I mean, you know, I I have a 31 year old, God forbid. Um, But and and if I had subscribed to that paradigm, I would not have seen the wonderful man that I'm married to. Mm -hmm. It is really, I think, important to take stock first of self and know you're a work in, in progress. I mean, you don't like something about yourself. Great. Change it. But we get stuck in our stories. A very wonderful hypnotist told me once, change your story. You change your story, you change your life. That doesn't mean pretend things are different. It means shift your perspective to one you can work with, where you can put your hands on the tools. And, and you know, I, I think that, again, back to this whole, um, you know, it may be a hard market for selling property, but the properties that sell, they sell. What makes the difference? You know, you want to, you are able to make a shift. And I I remember I went to a school called Stuyvesant in New York, and there are all these math and science geniuses, which I was not. And I came home one day and I said to my father, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just not good at this. And he said, you know what? You are with the best. Being the bottom of the best is fine. I mean, he didn't say it quite that way because he also wanted me to win a Nobel Prize before I lost my virginity, but which was just impractical for me. But, <laughs> but you find your community. And if you take stock of yourself, so I am, I would not have been the best computer programmer. I would not have been the best physicist. I I can't, I don't have the memory for that. I am the best at what I do. 
And, but that, that took taking stock of, I'm the bottom of the best of the calculus students at Stuyvesant. That may not be my market. You know, going for a PhD in mathematics at Harvard was not going to be my destiny. It was going to be my brother's, but it wasn't going to be mine. So taking stock of these are my skills. These are things I'm worth putting that I want enough that I'll put energy into, even though they're not my skills. And let me see what that does in the marketplace. I mean, I make a living doing something that when I started in 1983, the general public didn't believe in. And I did it in a milieu that people said, well, they're not going to use a psychic, you know, companies. I, but I didn't. That's who I wanted to work with. That's not true. Actually, business use with, uses whatever works. Business uses whatever works. It's it's often civilians that are, well, it's not happening immediately, blah, 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 blah. I don't know if I believe and blah, blah, blah. They complicate it. You know, there's a lot of neuroses and in individuality. And I say this as a true neurotic. Companies are easy. If you show that you are useful, they will use you. If you show a market that you can address a need it will engage you. It won't care whether it believes in you or not. Yeah, it's all in the results, right? So so crazy. It's all in all the results, yes. And it's also, again, in taking genuine stock. You know, I think that um, a lot of people who do what I do claim a degree of perfection that is perhaps not quite true. It's really important to say, this is what I can do for you and exceed expectation. And I think that we're in a culture where we're all dressing ourselves up to, and in, in reality, we underwhelm. And it's better to say, you know, this is what I can do and I'm willing to try this. You know, the way that um, I really refined my abilities in my early 20s as an intuitive is a drug research program. I worked with this really wonderful HIV researcher named Dr. Larry Waits. And I, I met him um, through his partner, who was a, who is a wonderful producer. And he was not a believer in intuition, but there was this horrible disease out there, you know, AIDS, and there weren't drugs to treat it. And that's what he was researching. And he said, well, you know, and at first he was very cocky. Well, do you think you can, you know, find what effects a drug will have before we try it. And I said, I don't know, but I'll try. And I did. And we worked together and it was wonderful. And he actually was one of the few business people, because of course, business people don't want to say that they work with psychics, who wrote a, a letter for my first book, uh-huh. documenting that he had worked with me and that it was effective, um, and it, which was incredibly courageous, especially at the time in the mid nineties to, to write a letter like that, um, for which I'm still, uh, grateful. And and that's the other thing. I think that we, as, uh, individuals and as companies, we're always pushing to the next thing and competing. And there is something about maintaining, uh, our connections. I mean, a lot of the people who interview me, for example, when they're in New York, they give me a call. They come over for wine and cheese. You know, there's there is something. If something isn't useful now, we don't we don't value it. 
And there is there we are part of a lot larger structure. And finding that structure and being grateful and remembering, you know, remembering that things go up and down um, is really a part of a of an intuitive, uh, long-lived and successful life and business. Um, I'm throwing a book party on June 12th for a brilliant writer named Craig Nelson, who is a best-selling author, who was my very first editor, who taught me really how to write how-to. And, and that gratitude I still have 30 years later. And this is someone who will never hang up the phone if I call with one of my questions. I mean, he has a reputation that I could never even arrive at in the publishing world and is still available. So those, you know, relationships are so important. And going back to Tesla, you know, your frequency, no man is an island and no company is. We are all interrelational. Your frequency is dependent on the frequency of those around you. And sometimes it is time to make sure that your nonprofit division, that you are supporting causes. And those causes in turn or other ones may support you. But but keeping the continuity of relationship and keeping a good ego structure, whether you're a company or a person or a product, a good filter for this looks this looks very tempting, but it's outside my integrity. You know, once you breach your integrity, and of course we all have to at different times. I mean, um, I remember telling the assistant of a very powerful person that I've worked with who was complaining about having to kind of kowtow to uh, to the situation. I was saying, you should see the size of the turds your boss has to swallow. You know, you think yours are big? Your boss is working with big people. Those turds are huge. You don't even have the throat space to swallow those turds. And finding a new context and finding, oh, wow, I'm part of a system. I'm useful. Sometimes that usefulness is less pleasant than other times. But mm. let me let me value the interconnectedness. Let me be grateful and let me continue to be grateful. You know, people, young actors that I helped 30 years ago now are huge and help me show up at a book party. Um, you know, and it's awesome. it's not that you take a risk on someone being successful, you say, wow, is this a, a, a connection that, is this person, is this journey valuable to me? And if it is, let me give to it whether or not it has success. Um, and a lot of people have done that for me. I mean, I have to say that uh, Deepak and Rita Chopra, for example, have been consistent supporters in all of my weird iterations. I mean, boy, when you meet someone at 35, they are, I have been so many people that I am, would not want to meet on in a dark alley, you know, would not want to be again. And I think that's true of, of, of all of us. So back to Tesla, what is your, what is your frequency and what is the one you're striving for? I love and that. find resonance, find people and ideas and things and practices that create that resonance with you, that create that frequency. Expect to stumble. I wrote a book called Welcome to Your Crisis. 
because crisis is a painful, miserable, but wonderful way to be forced into change. You know, we as mammals hate change. Um, I particularly am mammalian in that way. And mud on your face is a really great indicator that you're doing something new. You know, if you do it perfectly, you're not doing something new. I mean, have you ever seen a baby learn to walk? There are a lot of tumbles. And it is that insistence again, uh, you know, and everything is in the media now. There's that insistence that we have no tumbles and that we protect our tumbles, we hide our tumbles that Mm. often keeps us weak. I mean, one of the things that I often in a lecture tell my students is there's a lot of me that functions, but there's a lot that's a mess. I'm a work in progress here. Now, if I have to hide my mess, I'm not very useful. It's much more useful to say, I have something of value to you. And I have a lot of things that are not of value to you. Let me give you what is of value. And I do that best by not hiding where it is that I am vulnerable. You know, I've had a lot of you know, as most people in the public eye, I've had some very public attacks. I've had some very public uh, difficulties. And I've always had PR people saying, oh, we can bury them. And I'm like, don't bury them. If mm-hmm. I can't integrate them, then they are they are the barb that will snag me. You know, you you can't you you don't hide your everything you repress, everything you hide ultimately is an energy suck and will come up to bite you. Ooh, I never thought about that that piece right there. Just energy. The energy suck is the opposite of what was interesting. I like that, Laura. Absolutely. The more you can, and that goes back to integrity. Integrity doesn't mean doing the good thing. It means that all of you is on board with an action. You know, a, a psychopath has a different integrity than most of us do, but they're effective because everything's on board. They don't get distracted. Everything's on board with an action. You know, our world is run by psychopaths because they're the people who aren't distracted and can run it. You know, it's our job as individuals to make sure that they are accountable. Uh, to to a common good, a greater good. But um, but the more, and once again, it's back to the circle, which is, I will say, written in very esoteric language, but the system works. The reason you pick one target and you have you contextualize everything else in terms of that single goal is that a laser is effective, diffuse light a lot less so. So as much as you can make something a laser, what I do with with my group, which is a mixed group, you know, business and civilians, is I I say to them, abracadabra it. And abracadabra is, this is my magic wand. And it needs to be so targeted that when I direct it, abracadabra, I say, and therefore it is. You know, you need to be that, that focused. And again, that's not an easy thing. We all like, we're complex in a complex world. We all like to dumb it down, but that doesn't serve us.
Laura, I'd love to have you back when your new book comes out or around that time. I loved our conversation. Where do people find out more about you? Uh, my website is lauraday.com. Um, get on my mailing list because I do a lot of events and a lot of them free. Laura Day Intuit is my Instagram. And in the morning, and it's a really wonderfully mixed group of business people, of of uh you know, just uh, people on an emotional journey, but we exchange reading. And that's so effective to practice your intuitive skills on others so that because you know your own questions, you're your own worst intuitive. But when Mm. you don't know, you can do reading. So we do that every morning. Everyone's seen my pajamas. I wake up, and I go on live in my pajamas and we we exchange readings and I usually have a topic for the day, some some skill to uh, to uh, expand or employ. I love it. I just followed you on Instagram. I found you. There oh, you so you'll see pajamas. I look forward to oh, yeah. it, although it's early for you in California, but I'm going to be in Europe soon. So my morning lives will actually be I'll do them in the evening. Oh, I like that. Laura, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate this. Thank you. I really enjoyed this. You're a good, you're a good inspiration. Those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a review or just tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it. 